This is Ozarks at Large. One week from today, a new CD of music composed by Arkansas native Florence Price will be released by Noxos. John Jetter, the music director and conductor of the Fort Smith Symphony, conducts the Vienna Radio Symphony Orchestra for this new recording. John Jetter has conducted Price before, both live and on record, with the Fort Smith Symphony. Late last month, my interview partner, Leah Uribe, and I, Leah is an associate professor of bassoon at the University of Arkansas, talked with John Jetter about the new CD. Yeah, I love performing, but there's just a very different dynamic in the studio. It's very, uh, it's, it's concentrated. People are concentrated in a performance. It's kind of a, it's a different concentration. Maybe the reason I enjoy it so much is I'm ultimately uh, a little bit of a coward. And the nice thing about a recording is that if it doesn't work, you just do another take, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a real interesting, it, it's a different dynamic. I think we love playing for audiences, but we're kind of in there, maybe kind of for ourselves in a way. And I guess maybe what I like about it is there's a, ultimately there's a concrete um, product at the end. And of course we're all about performing, right? We're a musician, but you actually have this concrete product at the end, you know, it's the recording. And, uh, and it may be because I enjoy it so much because I grew up, you know, I, like, like so many musicians, I had a huge record collection and CD collection. So uh, I've enjoyed it. Uh, it, it is a huge um, team effort. And I think uh, the most important thing is when, we, when we're listening to recordings, yes, the artists, of course, it's, you know, we're the ones performing and, but, uh, I don't think people understand what a significant role the producer has and the recording engineers have in the process. Uh, the first one was recorded with Fort Smith Symphony, and this one features the VMU uh, Symphony. Uh, different set of musicians, different relationship uh, with the musicians and knowledge, uh, actually, of the body of the orchestra. You've been working with Ford Smith for many years and you know each one of the musicians very, very well. So can you can you speak on the difference in this process and how it impacted the music? Um, well, of course, uh, in Fort Smith with all the recording or most of the recordings, we would have, uh, you know, I think pretty lengthy rehearsal time and then we perform it. And then we have the sessions over the next two days afterwards. And yes, you know, we all know each other and all that. Uh, the situation in Vienna is you, you know, the orchestra uh, is, in this case, uh, it is the uh, Vienna Radio Symphony. So their job is performing concerts, but also doing radio broadcasts and, and being recorded uh, for radio. And in fact, their, their main concert hall where they uh, give concerts and rehearse is actually a recording studio. So it's all set up. It's all a beautiful uh, uh, equipment. And, you know, I think it, it, it you know, this, the sound is terrific there. And they're used to, they're excellent. They're used to essentially, you know, you play the piece, you, you play it down. And then uh, it's like, okay, uh, now the recording light goes on and you start recording in segments. And uh, it was, uh, you know, they, they're very quick to, uh, uh, for suggestions, you can make, you know, they, they, you know, they know what they're doing. So a lot of what's, you know, maybe a lot of things that you're worried about, they are just, you know, automatically there. And uh, there's, there's still plenty of time to um, make decisions and make changes. But yeah, it's definitely a different atmosphere. Um, 
I just said there's time to make changes, but I guess maybe we're, there was a little bit more, we were on the clock. We didn't have all that rehearsal time. Maybe we didn't have as much time to say, well, can we try this and then try this and try this? It was more like, okay, let's, let's do this. And, um, uh, and then there were things um, in this case, there were some small things, especially like balance and all that, where we might say, well, I didn't quite hear, you know, the oboe or the bassoon. And uh, the recording engineer would say, well, that I can take care of. You know, we don't need to go back there. I can take care of that. And that's fine, you know. Um, but really, uh, you know, nice people. And uh, it was, uh, 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 you know, different experience, but, you know, kind of the same. Uh, a lot more travel involved. And of course, I had to do it. Uh, it involved two trips. Um, one, starting the project, I flew, I flew there around the time that we started hearing about this thing called coronavirus, you know, this is in, you know, this is in what it'd be 20. And uh, I got there as it was really becoming an issue. And we did some, we started recording and then they said, well, you know, everything shut down, you know, good luck getting home. We'll see you another time. And that's basically, I came home right when, um, uh, there were the news stories about people like rushing home from Europe and when there was a huge wait in all the airports and all that. I just, I just made it just before all that happened. And then we came back to do the rest um, uh, just this last April. And, um, it, you know, traveling during coronavirus was interesting. I was on a big 787, Boeing 787 with like 30 people on the plane. Uh, so it was very, and we were all masked for it, uh, not the winds. But uh, so, yeah, it was a very different experience, but excellent orchestra. And they know, you know, that you could say a few things and like, yeah, we got it. So as, as Leah mentioned, it was a different um, set of musicians, but you've, you're familiar with this composer. Does that help you going into a new project, one that's split apart by a <laughs> global pandemic with a new uh, set of musicians, but your familiarity with Florence Price, does that help you? Well, yes, and it helped a lot, particularly like in, in uh, preparing the music and, and, you know, having the music. And yes, you know, she has, uh, she has certain uh, characteristics, certain habits, uh, a few uh, 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 things that you notice. Make, yeah, you, you're familiar with her language and uh, there's things that you kind of will look at something and maybe you might have a question about either a chord or a question about how one passage relates to something that happens later. And you go, oh, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's her. You know, that's what she, I know that from the fourth symphony or whatever. And yeah, you get very familiar with her style. And there's all those uh, uh, blues chords in her music. You know, there's, there's definitely that element. And there's sometimes some real quirky uh, chords in there. And um, compared to the first time exploring her music, it's like, oh, yeah. I, I, I know what that is, <laughs> you know, this is, or if there are note corrections, I know the orchestra a few times is like, I, well, that sounds weird. Are you sure? It's like, yeah. And then we'd play it again. And then they'd say, oh yeah, yes. Or um, uh, in, in many cases, her manuscript is pretty neat and clear, but there's still, um, there's still anomalies sometimes. And, Actually, in the Mississippi River, there were probably, you know, I would say at least 40, 40, you know, printed errors in that music. And in Ethiopia's Shadow, uh, there were uh, quite a few also. 
and you just, um, you know, through familiarity and through a lot of proofreading, you know, because you want all that taken care of before the, the, the sessions, but sometimes things will creep up. It's on one hand so wonderful that Florence Price is being rediscovered. And, and you know, when I listen to uh, classical music stations uh, like KUAF2, the classical 24 service, they play a lot of her. It's great. But it also makes me just a little bit sad that there are probably so many other composers who were women or composers who were of color who didn't have the chance to share their works that have been lost forever. Do you think about that? Or or if they're not lost forever, they're pretty well hidden. I mean, there's this whole treasure trove, I'm afraid, of creativity that we just are unaware of. Yeah. Okay, Leah, do you want to go first? <laughs> Happily, I guess. Uh, I don't like to think about those issues, Kyle. <laughs> and uh, lots of advocacy and, and conversations. <clears throat> and uh, I guess I am not so concerned about the past, although I recognize that many voices have been uh, silenced because of systemic issues. But I'm more interested about, uh, you know, things that are happening in the, in the moment, like the advocacy by Fort Smith Symphony Orchestra and John with Florence Price. And uh, I mean, in the goes and New York Philharmonic and Tania Leon and Gustavo Dameg, Los um, LA Philharmonic and the commissioning projects uh, that included Angelica Negron, Gabriel Ortiz and many other voices. So orchestras are really doing their part to bring women underrepresented identities to the forefront of these conversations. They are investing the money because as we were talking about earlier, this requires funding and advocacy at many levels. Uh, but uh, I, I see the change happening, and uh, I'm thankful that locally uh, this is happening uh, in many of our uh, institutions and organizations. And uh, again, this is just a call for uh, all of us joining hands to continue doing this work. Yeah, I think we're finally, right? We're finally starting to see it. It's taken a long time. And I think also, okay, so Leah, you're, you know, you're a, a university professor. So I think also universities, I think that's, a, you know, they also taught. I just, uh, um, I just, I was reading, we did a concert last week and we did a WC Handy piece. He's the father of the blues. And I read somewhere where he taught at a music conservatory like in the 1920s. And he's like, hey, why aren't we spending more time on American music? Why aren't we talking? You know, that's like a hundred years ago, right? And I, I hope that, you know, I think our musicians need to also start to be taught about all these other composers, right? And just that whole, it's interesting to see, you know, you know, Leah's right, this change, it's great. It's taken a long time and we just really need to keep it going. And I think at the end of the day, audiences are saying, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah I, I, yeah, I really like that piece. You know, and for so long, orchestras were saying, oh, we can't play. We can't play all this new music, right? We can't play. So uh, it's it's a very exciting. And yes, Kyle, hopefully a lot of these composers that, you know, were sort of lost, uh, we can start to bring those back as well. So if you think about a big orchestra, look at their season maybe five years ago and say, okay, how many, how often was Mahler on the season or how often was Beethoven on the season? Maybe they could be there one time and then the other 12 times that Beethoven's on the season, you can start plugging in some other composers. And it's really about variety. I mean, you know, I think, I think all of our best friends are the ones who like a lot of different kinds of food, right? And the ones who only like three things, like, eh, we, you know, we'll talk to you later. So it's this idea of having, uh, you know, you know, enjoying variety. 
And we seem to want it more. Like we have variety in everything now. You can get on, you can watch anything, any anything you want now on Netflix or whatever. We're about we're about variety. So it kind of makes sense that it's happening more in the concert hall, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I have a final question then, John. Uh, first, thank you so much for your advocacy and thank you for bringing these voices. This country is taking a risk, right? Every time uh, an orchestra makes a decision like this, you, I, I don't know how much you knew how successful this project was going to be. And this actually started back uh, years ago with William Grant still recording project. So you're, uh, you know, fight for diversity has been going on for a while. What are your plans for the future? What is Fort Smith bringing to the forefront um, in the in the year? Uh, well, I mean, uh, for this year, we've tried, you know, our season opener, uh, we played a piece by Amy Beach, which was a lot of fun. And we did a, a, a regime. And also, uh, we have, we, uh, since we're all talking locally, we have to recognize Urgene Kong, of course, for a really yes. very, very involved in with her violin concerto recording. You know, that was really the start of this re, you know, re-discovery. Uh, so we're trying to include, uh, we're doing music by uh, Joseph St. George a little later on in the season. Um, we're trying in our school visits, we're definitely including, uh, we are focusing a lot on William Grant Still and Florence Price still, uh, because not only is there that great diversity question, but they have a, a connection to Arkansas. Um, and um, not to, not, one thing I, I hope gets included in this interview is one of the things that I've learned, and it's part of this advocacy, is that if um, you think about American concert music, and you think about American concert music by uh, uh, minority composers, you can think about, you know, Chicago or New York or whatever, but actually Arkansas has Florence Price, right? William Grant Still, and we forget about Scott Joplin, who was raised in Texarkana. You have these three people, and, and close by we have some of the first Native American concert composers. So our region actually has quite a bit of uh, uh, classical music history. So we need, we need a bigger chapter in the history books. We need a chapter. We need at least a paragraph. <laughs> so uh, we're trying to promote that. So uh, I'm hoping that the Fort Smith Symphony will uh, be able to do another recording project. I'm working really hard on it. And then I'm doing, uh, there is, there will be more Florence Price uh, with me going overseas. Uh, with, there's plans for uh, another recording. So, and you know, Noxos, without saying too much, Noxos, the recording label, they do like cycles. They like, you know, complete collections. So that's kind of that's kind of where this is all headed, and it's really fun to do. I'm really and then, and and a shout out to them, uh, Noxos uh, Records. It's the largest label, and they like this sort of project. You know, how many times have you, as a musician, said, "I wonder if there's a recording of so and so"? It's probably on Noxos, right? And uh, so they're great, and I uh, really appreciate all their their advocacy and interest as well. John Jetter is the music director and conductor of the Fort Smith Symphony, and he is the conductor for the soon-to-be-released CD of Florence Price's Symphony No. 3 in C minor, recorded with the Vienna Radio Symphony Orchestra for Noxos. The CD will be available on November 19th. It can be pre-ordered now through online music retailers. My interview partner for this session, who I always seem to turn into an interviewee by the end of our work together, Leah Uribe, associate professor of bassoon at the University of Arkansas, and the host and creator of our regular Thursday segment on Ozarks at Large, Sound Perimeter. 
Our conversation took place in late October via Zoom. Oh, and stay tuned. The next edition of the podcast, Reflections with Leah and Lee Wood, will be dropping very soon. We'll have more details about that on Mondays, Ozarks at Large. And here now, a preview of the upcoming CD of Florence Price Music featuring John Jetter and the Vienna Radio Symphony Orchestra. This is a bit of Symphony Number no. 3.